I hope my voice doesn't die by the end of this episode. Let's go! Welcome to the podcast that's not afraid to say Chainsaw Man's for angsty teenagers who want to be edgelars that probably would have loved Shadow the Hedgehog, a podcast of Jordan Haas. I'm Jordan Haas. Welcome to the show. Uh, this week has been a big week for uh, charity drives. I, I think Extra Life was going on, Indie Land was going on, and lots of wonderful donations and contributions all across the board. So... It's been very fun uh, to see uh, these streams happen. Uh, I will be honest, I haven't been paying close attention to all of them because these are usually around-the-clock 24-hour events, and I've been a little sidetracked, shall we say. Uh, and I, But the ones I have seen have been very fun and enjoyable, and I, I'm just very, very happy. Um, so, so that's been a good, good uh, thing all around. What am I trying to say? I we're at the start of the fucking show, and I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, blue, 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 blue. No, uh, we're good. Uh, so, so uh, this week has been obviously a, a crazy enough week. Um, it's been election. It's been election season. Everyone's voted. Uh, remember when people voted, and uh, the election's rigged unless the Republican wins, in which case it's not rigged. I don't know how that works, um, but I all I can say is uh, get wrecked, nerds. I, that's that's my. You're, you're, this isn't Chapo Trap House. Like what 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 do you want me to say here? Uh, boy, I sure hope Bernie Sanders runs again. I I, do, I really hope we get more socialist programs and unions because those seem to be the thing the kids came out. And they came out to vote. It, what the fuck do you want me to say here? It's, it's uh, politics is is squirrely. One party does bare minimum, and the other party does evil things. Like, what the fuck do you want me to say? Uh, boy, nothing is better than worse. Okay, I'm glad nothing beat worse. So. Anyway, uh, it, it, it has been, I mean, I voted like, what, a week ago? I did a mail-in. I do mail-in votes. I d the thing is, with elections, and this is something I need to point out here. I, 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 the fun part about mail-in ballots, one, you can do it while eating food. I, I, you can snack on Doritos while voting. You can't do that at your, like, church or some dude's garage, or at, at, at a, uh, where, where would you go, a, a school, a community place, a community gathering location, city hall. If you're, if you're voting through mail-in, 
it's fucking cool. You can snack on Doritos. You can eat pizza. You can drink water. There are voting places where they do not allow food within 100 feet. You cannot give people water in their waiting in line. And I think that's horseshit. And I think more places need this mail-in ballot to, to thrive because it's, it's one, first of all, relaxing, two, you can read the issues and then think it through. Hey, that's actually pretty cool. In three, and this is the best in part, you you just have to drop it off when you're done, or give it to your mail guy who will then drop it off. It, it's not that difficult. You get a little text message or an email saying, "Hey, we're, we got it," and you're good to go. I, I love that. There's a casual atmosphere about that. And I, it's still painful to me that people are against mail-in ballots, even though, you know, absentee ballots are given to what, veterans? Across the world, we give veterans the right to vote, and you know what we, we say to these people? Well, mail-in ballot, you might ring the vote, well, I and all this scare tactic bullshit. And it's like, I, I'm very surprised... It is a non-part. It's it's not a bipartisan support for easier ways to vote, but maybe I I'm just throwing this out here. Maybe it's because they don't want some a certain group of people to vote, and I'm gonna assume that those people they don't want to vote might be not suburban white dudes like me, who are also white. Maybe they don't have English as their primary language. And they think because they aren't the default, the straight white male who's English speaking, they might do some bad things and vote for a certain person, to which it's just embarrassing. And the more you you see and hear the shit that comes out of these politicians when it comes to the simple act of democracy and voting, the more you just kind of lose faith in politics that this is a primary physician, a, per, a person that the par, that a party says, this is our guy. And they're going, yeah, the election's rigged. And we shouldn't do mail-in votes because dead people or because of this or this is the election fraud. And it's okay. If that's the case... What would be the best way to fix that? Is it signature verification? Is it identification? Maybe, this is a good idea, try two-factor authorization. Hey, here's a code, we give it to your phone, and this is your only vote. Maybe you could try that. Do, do the whole tech bro thing. I don't fucking know. But waiting in line for hours is not the correct answer to fight this. And then... You know, because it's a mail-in vote, you can easily count it early and save people's times instead of just at the time of closing, let's tabulate the vote. I don't know. Maybe that's a, a nice, smarter option instead of, oh, now we have to count the votes and everyone gets annoyed because it turns out machines don't do it fast enough. And if you hand count it, well, that's not fast enough either. Maybe just maybe the problem is um, there's a lot of mistrust in the exciting world of things that you don't need to be afraid of. You don't 
folks, you don't need to be afraid of your neighbor. You don't need to be afraid of everybody. The, the problem is social media wants you to get pissed off and angry at things. Social media wants you to get agitated enough to pick a fight with these assholes. And they want you to get irritated. They want you to be defenseless. When the people who are causing the harm want the power to do harm intentionally. The way to fight the, the people who want to do harm is you don't elect them. And second, you have to know that there is a just world out there if you realize not everyone is out to get you. A paranoia effect happens. Now, obviously, there are people who do commit crimes, violence, all those nasty, nasty behaviors. But the more you think about, like, the neighbor isn't out to get you, and, hey, a movie having, like, a different lead isn't dangerous to your life. You can still live your life out there. It, it, it should be saying that, hey, it's a good world out there. Maybe it's not scary. Uh, m maybe, you know, just throwing this out here, uh, that the problem isn't uh, ethics in game journalism. Maybe the problem is consumption of gaming content on the internet has changed and gaming journalism has to adapt and it's sinking because everyone's a pundit now like me. That kind of sucks. Um, and maybe the problem, there's, there's so many problems out here. Maybe, I, I don't know, trans rights. We'll go and let's go talk trans rights. Trans rights is awesome and great, and we should respect people. I, I still don't know how it's 2022, and people get pissed off over pronouns in bios. And they don't know what a, what a fucking pronoun is when it's something taught in first grade kindergarten. It's something to determine a noun, a he, a she, a they, a them. Because if you just keep saying the fucking third person, first person name, you sound like a fucking robot. For instance, uh, Herschel Walker is a bad candidate. He is a bad candidate. E easy enough. Now you know what a pronoun is. We simplified it. <clears throat> um, it's, it's one of those cases of wh what we're seeing is that I, we, we live in a world where people are referred to by their shitty internet handles and Twitter handles and, and speaks and usernames. And we can adapt and accept people as VTubers and accept people as furries. And we can accept people for who they are. It really is a closed-minded individual that can't accept someone with a different name or with a different uh, pronoun. Hey, just say she or they, them. And it's really annoying and weird because we're supposed to call some Twitter user like, uh, like, Based God 54. And we're just supposed to always say based God 54 to this guy. It makes no sense. Like we, we've moved on. We accept people. You can call them who they are. It's really easy. Also, they. You can also use it in a plural or singular sense. It's really cool. Uh, the, it, it becomes this very frustrating thing where if you realize, hey, people just want to be respected and it doesn't really hurt you that much 
other than you might be inconvenienced that one awkward time you dead name them or that one awkward time you uh you you screw up the pronoun it, it's no danger you're just trying to treat people with respect and that's all these people are asking for you still get these pieces of shit like jk rowling out there they're trying to fight to tooth and nail for this and then you have people defending that shit like the like what's that fucker's name the 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 it crowd creator and father ted that that piece of shit uh him he's still fighting tooth and nail over this and it's like buddy just stop like it doesn't fucking bother people we have moved on this is part of the lgbt thing that everyone's been pushing for and celebrating it's a really closed-minded thing they think like the gay person's gonna kill my kid or kidnap my kid or turn my kid gay or blah 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 all this scare tactics which is what i was trying to explain earlier it's not scary everything is trying to scare you into all this stuff and what i'm noticing is the more people are not scared and the more they're willing to be honest and not combative and just oh hey i just i'm confused by this i i don't understand the more you get yes very hard-hitting debate talks and some people are definitely not the right people to ask. Hey, hey, I'm just throwing this out here. Uh, if if someone is confused by anti-Semitism, might be best to talk to like the people who work at like anti-Semitism places or people who do like hate speech watch vlogs to explain the issue. Not like a 13 year old, 14 year old who's like on social media and upset by like, what Dave Chappelle says, because Dave Chappelle, he he sucks sometimes in his jokes. That's, that's obvious. And then he doubles down. I'm team turf. And you're just like, yep. Yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. But I, I don't think he tries to be a piece of shit asshole. I just think he doesn't understand shit. And he's too much of a comedian to care because he's a comedian. He's, if people think comedians are truth tellers, oh God. Oh God, that's Elon Musk, isn't it? Fuck. God, now he explains everything. Elon Musk thinks he can be a stand-up comedian by buying Twitter. Oh, that's embarrassing. Ugh, comedy is legal now. I just remember that fucking cringe-worthy tweet. And I don't like saying cringe. I'm not, I'm not a Gen Zer. I'm not based. I'm not a bussin. I, I, I'm a millennial who eats avocado toast and I guess destroys the economy five times. I, I uh, it, but it's, it's so embarrassing to read tweets like that. Um, and when you realize it's not scary, the world is not, you know what's scary? Ukraine, that is scary. Russia is invading the Ukraine. That's a scary situation. You know, it's not scary. Uh, a friend of yours might be trans. A friend of yours might be gay. A friend of yours might not like a movie you like. <laughs> it's 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 indifference. It's it used to be, and this is the thing I I, I get annoyed by. And I I the libertarian conservative used to be. Well, I don't bother them. They don't bother me. That's all we can move. 
but suddenly they're in the aggressive state of, well, they're doing, we got to ban the books. They're teaching this, this radical critical race theory, you know, the critical race theory. I, I did not know what the hell that meant. I saw CRT in initials and I thought, oh, that's, uh, that's a weird, I, it's a mistypo for CBT. Someone really doesn't want to learn about cock and ball torture. And that's, you know what? I, I agree. That is something that you shouldn't teach in elementary school. And you shouldn't teach about, uh, marijuana oils. I agree with that. I, I think the drug programs at the school have gone too far. Um, uh, but no, it, it's apparently the idea that, and this is what I'm guessing is is what's offending them, that America are colonialists and they invaded a country and did harm to uh, Aboriginal people in this country and uh, might have done slavery, which by all measures is uh, bad. And the city of Memphis has finally said slavery is banned. And that's a good thing. But saying why slavery is bad is apparently something you shouldn't teach. Or the Civil Rights Amendment of the 60s, which had people like Martin Luther King, which had a day in January. So if there are kids out there that are like, hey, we're getting January off because of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Well, that's great. Who's Martin Luther King Jr.? Well, what do you say? We don't teach Columbus Day. We, we It's Indigenous Peoples Day now. Well, why is that? Well, because Columbus, uh, first of all, never really stepped foot in America. He, ste- she, he stepped a little bit near Cuba. <laughs> yeah, it's a real funny story. Uh, I think Bahamas, maybe. I, 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 don't, I don't know the full story, but he never landed in Americas. And two... He also is a colonialist who did bad things and slavery things, and that's not good. He did damage to to Aboriginal people, Indigenous people in this country. <laughs> and sometimes you have to teach that. And then you get to things like banned books, and then, well, that's free speech, and it, it just keeps going on and on from there. So this has been the political section of the show. Basically, what I'm trying to say is hypocrisy is weird, isn't it? And also, I am by no means a comedian. Why? Because I, I don't think I'm funny. Is There's no laugh track. I'm sure if I had like a writing team and I, I was looking in the camera, this would be great. But I feel like I'm just doing a Seth Meyers routine. And if you've seen Late Night with Seth Meyers, there's no laughs. Please laugh. Um... <clears throat> Anyway, so uh, congrats to John Fetterman, the coolest dude out there with his with his uh, with his blazers and his shorts and his sheets gift cards. I'm guessing he goes to sheets. I I bet he has like a, a go to order there. I bet he, he he can actually tell me a good place for a cheesesteak that's not in Philly. It doesn't have to make a choice. <laughs> um, he beat Doctor Oz. The worst Jeopardy guest host. Uh, and that's a good thing. I've been watching Jeopardy. Uh, the, there's Tournament of Champions going on this week, which is the finale. Uh, Andrew Key, Amy Schneider, and uh, Pro- Professor Sam Steve Martin guy. I don't know his last name. Steve, 
Um, and they're going to be playing, and that's going to be fun. And also Celebrity Jeopardy happened today, and, and Will Wheaton won, and that's good. Congrats to Will Wheaton. I hope you go on to the final and play against Ike Barinholtz in what has to be a very weird Jeopardy match. Uh, anyway, uh, in addition to all that fun game showy news, um, there's another trivia thing going on right now, and that is Triviaverse on Netflix. Uh, I recently played that over the week. I didn't really want to do a review because it's very simple. Uh, you have uh, three minutes to answer as many questions as you can, and you can play it on basically anything with like an up, down, left, right arrow. You can play on your computer. You can play it on your phone or tablet. You can play it on a game console. I play it on the Xbox. It's playable. Essentially, it's three rounds of play. You have 60 seconds. Easy questions in the first minute, medium questions in the second minute, hard questions in the third, with little breaks in between, like little 10-second breaks. And these questions are essentially anything from pop culture to history, and they're all over the place. The good news was I played about maybe seven, maybe eight rounds of this game before I finally saw a repeat question, which is very uh, good. Because this is a speed-based question, and I went through about 40 in the first time, and I only got 30 right. Uh, and that was kind of my average, was about 40 questions per game. So I'm assuming, because 40 questions per game, and I played 8 of them, I went through about 320 questions before getting a repeat. So over 300 questions, I don't know if they update or add more questions to this mix, I really hope they do, because I think a game like this, if they're going to try and do it, needs to have a huge question bank. And I mean, like, in the tens of thousands rather than maybe, like, 600. Uh, I found the game to be very fun. There is a one-player mode and a two-player mode. In the two-player mode, you go back and forth in the two rounds of play for a minute. Uh, and then you get a score, and that score is it. That's, you know, there's no bonus. There's no vid video. It's not like Cat Burglar, where if you get a question wrong, a different outcome happens, which I, I found very funny. It's not like Trivia Crack Show, where it's just kind of, here's a few questions, and then that's it with the episode, because it's all rotated about. Um, it seems a lot of the interactive games out there on Netflix are trivia-based. And that's okay, but... Uh, I'm trying to figure, like, what the best one was maybe, like, the Escape the Undertaker Haunted House movie with the New Day. I thought that was pretty fun. The Bear Grylls first-person one was kind of fun, too, but I, maybe the interactive thing needs some work. May, you know what they should really do is, um, and I'm just, I mean, I'm, this is the, the ad-lib section. They should really try and do Dragon's Lair. I think, like, to try to reboot Dragon's Lair or Space Race or Space Ace, uh, where, you know, you push the arrow in the right time to go to the right thing. I think you can do that if a modern era. I think that's the thing you could do. Or a really silly choose-your-own-adventure thing, like a Goosebumps-themed choose-your-own-adventure. I think those are the things you should really try for. Um, not things like Boss Baby. The one that I also liked was Bandersnatch, the Black Mirror uh, one, because they parodied Choose Your Adventure games. And I thought that was really fun, too. And now that I think about it, 
Have they updated Black Mirror or is that canceled? Like, like I don't know what they're doing with Black Mirror now. It's been like, what, five years at this point? I was told they're doing more Black Mirror, but I, I think they kind of did like, what was it? The, the, uh, the, the, the Bandersnatch. And then that was it. Like, that's the, the Black Mirror universe. There's no, like, there's not a new movies or episodes that just ended. Did Charlie Brooker just retire? No, they did the, uh, the, the urine special thing that's not screen wipe uh, urine. They, they did, like, the death to 2020 with all the skits that I don't like. I think it's not the best thing Charlie Brooker has made. But I liked Black Mirror, so maybe they just got rid of it. Maybe they're just thinking, yeah, this is a little too much phones. I don't know. Uh, but that, that's that been fun. Interactive entertainment. It's fun. Me, Jordan, on a podcast that very little people listen to. Great. Uh, so <clears throat> next is a, a segment, speaking of interactivity, where I review a game based on nothing but footage from other people. This is the game reviews from YouTube footage. I'm, of course, talking about Sonic Frontiers. I didn't play the game, but I have seen so many people play it. Uh, shout out to my friend Mike. Uh, shout outs to Jeff Gersman and others uh, who have played that game pretty much all week. Um... It's very weird to explain Sonic Frontiers from what I'm seeing. Um, it looks like a Sonic the Hedgehog game in an open world environment with little levels in between that are classic 2D based Sonic levels, if that makes sense. It's. Um, I. I, I the way I, I wanted to explain it, but it's not really the case, because when before I saw anything about Sonic Frontiers, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be like Super Mario Odyssey or Link to the Past, but Sonic the Hedgehog. This is an open world platformer, because that's just the new trend with the classic uh, video games. I mean, people say Kirby uh, did that, because it's an open world game, but it's kind of a little level design in its theory, so it's not really open world. Um, but Sonic Frontiers is that, and it's sort of that, but it's not that either. It, in some ways, it feels like an unfinished main level, like a main thing, uh, in Sonic, but there's a lot of collecting. Like, this is the, this, this is a Sonic game that's the most rare game, if that makes sense. Like, a rare title has, like, 17,000 collectibles. You gotta get the purple coins. You gotta get the red coins. You gotta get the rings. You gotta get the chaos emeralds. But there's blue chaos and blue and red and green. And all of these different... There's all these collectibles in Sonic Frontiers. And you need those to unlock and progress different things in the Sonic universe. Which is kind of cool. But in many ways also seems kind of like just an excuse to get more replay value out of the game, if that makes sense. I, it just feels like a, it's there just to get more repeatability out of this game. Uh, not a lot of the levels seem very exciting, 
It seems very bleak, very... The open world is like Death Stranding. People compared to Death Stranding, I could see that. It's just gloomy. And it just doesn't seem fun. I was expecting it to be like the whale world from uh, Sonic Advance with the whale popping up. But it's not that. Uh, but it... It does seem like a very fun game. It seems like a 3D Sonic game that's made for Sonic fans, and they will buy any Sonic game. Um, I wish... It's better than Sonic Forces. I, I It looks better than the Sonic Forces where you create the Sonic Sona of your dreams. Uh, it seems like that's a... It seems like a game where they just said Sonic meets blank, and they went with this. They went Sonic meets... Mario Odyssey. I'm thinking Mario Odyssey because, but there's not a lot of traveling in Sonic Forces. It seems more open world travel until you get to the TV or the ring, which is kind of like Sonic Advance. Um, but there's a lot of uh, characters returning, including Big the Cat, and you can fish with Big the Cat. How fun! Big the Cat. Although uh, my personal favorite character in Sonic Lore is Dig the Dog. I think you guys remember Dig the Dog, right? So Dig the Dog was the dog. You know, Big the Cat, Dig the Dog, right? And Dig the Dog loves to dig, yes. So you know how Knuckles did the digging in Sonic Advance to get the Chaos Emeralds? Dig the Dog also did. Originally, he was the one that did the digging for the Chaos Emeralds. And it was very fun because if you remember... Uh, there, there was the the hidden uh, television monitor, and that would get the speech. It was it was a fun story, um, in the whole cycle lore. Dig the dog, the big nose, the classic cartoon dog looking. Dig the dog, brown, the brown nose dog, not brown nose dog, but the brown dog with the big nose. Dig the dog. I, I can't be the one who remembers Dig the dog, right? That's the best character. Dig the dog. D-I-G the dog. You. Oh my god. Can you guys help me draw Dig the dog? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's the Sonic character. It looks like Sonic the character with the eyes. Big nose, brown, little little ears, like a tough puppy kind of thing, but but brown. And with Sonic Eye, it's it's Dig the Dog. It's a good character. Cream and cheese. Dig the dog. Come on. Come on. Anyway, the game looks fun, but I would probably buy it when it's like $10. Still looks like a more enjoyable game than uh, Gotham Knights. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, also, the soundtrack is very bleak, but maybe in other levels, which I haven't seen, the soundtrack is really cool. I want the cool soundtrack. I also want Dig the Dog. Um, which concludes to now the, um, my, my YouTube wormhole of the week. Cause everyone loves the YouTube wormhole of the week. That's what we do. Uh, so today's YouTube wormhole, it's plain and simple. It's, um, it's, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Now, I don't think I ever, I don't know if I covered, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here on the show. Game shows, I suppose. I think I did. Because it seems like such a big cultural phenomenon in the UK. It had US series and all that. But uh, the UK season just started, and I don't really want to watch it. 
and I just wanted to just watch little bits and pieces there because it's this weird. Okay, so I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here is basically celebrity Big Brother, but in a jungle. And every so often, one of those celebrities gets picked to play a a fear factor like challenge where it's heights or they're drowning or they eat penis and poop and semen and piss and then you vote and then someone gets voted off and that's the show there's no cash prize stated i am assuming it's uk television so they win a thousand pounds uh but it's such a cultural phenomenon because it's basically trash television. It's, hey, look at these celebrities. Remember this soap opera person? Remember this D-list model? The kind of celebrity apprentice caliber celebrity doing this. And it's uh, it's so trashy. And it's all physical. In the physical challenge, what, the Bush-Tucker trials, I think they used to call it? And it's... It's still very stupid. So it's what started as, hey, I want to see the show. Hey, what's going on with this season morphed into what the fuck is this show? And it's like, hey, someone is like like crawling into like poop and then sticking their head out and then bugs are falling and then they have to like bob for like. Uh, uh, kidneys or, or like other raw food it's just weird um also probably a health hazard in australia uh but it, it became such a success and this is what started the wormhole that apparently there was not one but two or three even of these like touring amusement park showing events if that makes sense for this regrettably stupid show but i could see the appeal because hey celebrities are just like us but celebrities they're not like us let's fuck them up and by scarring them for life with these hilarious physical challenges um but no there was uh there's like a ropes course kind of thing called like the the i'm a celebrity jungle course and it's just like a ropes course inside like an indoor place that has like the little swing set and everything. Um, then there was, I, I think, I don't think it's Alton Towers. It's it's probably like Chesham or Thorpe Park, maybe Thorpe, uh, where you pay money to go into a room and you basically for an hour watch videos of ant and deco oh we're in the jungle and you're in the jungle and they try and and do like hurricanes and floods and i have all of these actors pretend that you're on the jungle and they're like i'm sorry oh no it's problems going on hey why don't you go into this cargo net course and hey uh why don't you go into this room and then we're gonna drop bugs on you and they actually drop bugs on people in a theme park like fear factor live oh boy um i don't think that exists anymore and i i don't know what's the i mean i know the appeal of it but 
it's the maybe it's because it's the jungle theming and jungle hunt doesn't exist anymore and crystal maze just got canceled maybe that's it but it's um the more i think about it a lot of british television that were cultural staples have kind of disappeared things like x factor have been gone there's x factors no longer the voice is the last singing show they're bringing back Pop Idol, I think, next year. Same with Big Brother, which has also ended, but is still around. Uh, the Apprentice took the break, but now that's coming back. Like, what is, like, the big... Sh I don't think people are watching television in the UK anymore. <laughs> like, a lot of things I'm seeing, like, what's the shows people are watching? And it's like, well, they're kind of watching British Bake Off, but they're watching on Netflix. Or they're watching it on 4OD. Uh, Taskmaster, which same 4OD or subtly weird YouTube links. Or the or they're trying to... It, it, how are people watching Doctor... Do people still watch Doctor Who? Is there a, like a legal way to watch Doctor Who on, on streaming? I know that Disney Plus is doing Doctor Who. Um, but yeah, so I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here led to like a weird wormhole and it's it's such a bizarre show because it's like i don't know half these celebrities but i'm sure they are of relevance in the uk mind because here's someone from east enders and here's someone from coronation Street, or here is somebody who's a sporting great in the world of cricket and i'm like i sure okay the only one of these i know is the game show host <laughs> The only one of these I know is the American you brought on. You got George Takai on this season. Wow. Uh, you got John Barrowman. I know who John Barrowman is. He's Scottish. Uh, yeah, that's... You got Gino Diacampo. He is not in the in the eye set of Americans unless they watch that Gordon Ramsay travel show that they aired during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, so it's been a weird wormhole kind of thing that, that happened it, it, you know, on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. The only other thing I have been watching <laughs> is uh, is a lot of travel, because I'm watching travel videos. I think it's maybe just because it's cold, been cold and like I haven't really left the house still, but it's fun seeing people travel out. Um I was watching I Will Travel for Food, and it's this Japanese YouTube channel where they essentially go to different mini-marts and eat food, but this video, they went on a ferry, and they ate uh, out of, like, a ferry, and they had a little hotel room stay, and it it just looked very cozy, you know? Like, it, it didn't, it, it just looked like a very fun little boat ride, and I thought that was very cute, and I... I and I just like watching some of those little tour videos. Uh, other than that, it's just been kind of the usual, you know, uh, LGR. I, I watched LGR's uh, thrifting videos this week, and I, I, I still like lazy game reviews. Clint is great. Um, and, and also just been listening to the usual podcasts. Uh, I haven't been paying attention to AEW or WWE. From what I'm hearing... Uh, Logan Paul, was it, did the Crown Jewel event in Saudi Arabia and got hurt? Okay. 
And uh, the other thing that I, I heard about was AEW is bringing back the Elite, maybe, at full year, maybe. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I Mr. Beast was doing poker on Poker After Dark. Nah, just just kidding. I'm, I don't I don't watch poker. You play poker or solitaire. Uh, the other last thing I watched was Magic Journeys because they put out a few videos recently because Disneyland holidays and travely food fun. I want to see some candy canes and I want to see gingerbread houses and all that good good yum yum stuff. Um, because I I miss going to Disneyland. I have been a long time, but. I, I just want to have some fun, and I hope you guys have fun too. Uh, anyway, that that sounds that's like the best update. Other than that, it's going to be the shows and games we played this week, um, Atari Fifty, and a backlog, which is in the uh, second half of the show. So I hope you guys enjoy. Here's the review of Atari Fifty. Friday saw the release of Atari 50, a compilation of Atari games to celebrate 50 years of the game studio. Obviously, Atari has come in many shapes and forms. Unfortunately, Atari has split all over the place with different game licenses and IP going all over the place. But the name and its legacy can hold value. And in the case of Atari 50, can also tell a story that can only be done in video games. Digital Eclipse, the team behind Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Cowabunga Collection, has already done a very thorough collection for game legacies, but this time around, in addition to its game archive and scans and findings, it's also a documentary. The most interactive documentary created so far, Atari 50 takes you from the Bushnell Pong era and character Al Alcorn to the creation of Atari 2600, The Crash, in its return to glory as it tries to find its footing from major gaming events, from PC gaming to the console wars of Sega and Nintendo. Like a living museum, the game defaults by taking you to six different parts of Atari history, with each chapter, including interviews from Atari pillars, game developers like Tim Schafer and Cliffy B, to talking about inspiration from their games. And then you see these relics, flyers, never-before-seen prototype games, and commercials. And then, of course, you can play these games, like a museum of gaming history. It's not afraid to talk about the lows and highs, and instead of just going through the Atari 2600 games, goes into every console, including the 400 and Lynx and Jaguar, with the original games included. The downside has been, obviously, the lack of acquisition of past IP for its celebration. There isn't E.T., there isn't Alien vs. Predator, or even a playable Superman pinball machine. Additionally, the lack of online support in this collection, which, when you have Sprint 8 available, would have been really cool to see a full 8-player online multiplayer on what is an incredible gaming first. A great chunk of this collection revolves on its innovations, and while it sometimes does explain its cool innovations and stuff we take for granted today, such as the dual stick control, it goes without saying that it is best played with friends present to get the full effect of its game, but obviously you can't recreate trackball or steering wheel or its infamous dial support, although a 3D printed simulator of it is available. And then if you're a lonely guy like me, it just feels like you're missing out on half the fun. Like in Fire Truck. 
but I will say this is a game worth playing, although you'll most likely be playing through this at the same way you would at a museum at a glance. I give it a four out of five. Hello, this is the first thing I'm recording for the podcast episode, but it's also the last thing you're going to hear on the free version of the show. Uh, this concludes the free version of the podcast. For the extended cut, go to patreon.com slash Jordan Haas. In it, there is a Taskmaster recap, a talk about my backlog, and uh, the paywall news segment that everyone loves. Uh, that That's about it. Uh, but I'm not going to record that tonight. Tomorrow I will. Because uh, I'm not feeling well, but I'm recording this just to get structure down. Am I going to use this in the final cut? Who knows? But anyway, patreon.com slash Jordan Haas. See you there.